Hi, welcome to the Summer Flash Flashcast. This is the third in our series of intermittent podcasts between now and season three of The Flash on CW. With you as always on The Flash Flashcast, I'm Lisa Schmeiser, and with me as always are Phil Moselak and Tony Sindelar. Hello. Hello, nerds. Okay, there we go. (laughs) We're here. It's It's cool. It's summer. We're taking it. Yeah. Yeah. We're we're taking taking it easy. easy. (laughs) No rushes. Yeah. We're super pinacoladas. Yeah. Yeah, oh my gosh. I had a great drink at Trader Vic's um, like two days ago called the Bahia, and I just can't stop thinking about it. Pina coladas are dead to me now that I know what Bahias are. Anyway, um, this time we gave you some advance warning on Twitter, and we are talking about the Justice League episodes uh, uh, titled A Better World Part 1 and Part 2. If you're watching on Netflix, that is Season 2, Episodes 11 and 12. Yeah? Yep, correct. And um, I believe they will be somewhat similar on both iTunes and Amazon, where they are streaming and or you can download them. The point is, they are available legally from at least three different sources. Please uh, buy them and and support the creative professionals who make this stuff. Anyway, um, A Better World, two of my favorite episodes in the entire series. Um, And... I really love the ending of this. I am super curious, however, to find out your thoughts, your, your everybody else's thoughts about what they did and didn't like about it, and what they think of the ending. And um, before we get started on that, just a quick word. How does this tie into The Flash? I'll tell you. Um, in this, The Flash is dead. He's also alive. And the entire plot revolves around what <laughs> and the entire plot revolves around what people do when they have a dead flash versus when they have a live flash. Yeah. There. All right. So um, let's get started. This is season two. By this point, the chemistry between the, the like the leads, the, the chemistry between the seven Justice League members has been more, has been more clearly differentiated. Everybody's got their, what their personality quirks going on now and how they respond and react to stuff. And um, to make a long story short, um, in one dimension, we have our, our, our seven principal players and they're dealing with Lex Luthor, who's given him a headache. In the other dimension, we see six principal players. Um, they have already dealt with Lex Luthor. Notice the past tense. And Superman has gotten like seriously hard nosed, pragmatic, and are possibly, um, you know, a little uh, indifferent to the notion of civil liberties. <laughs> well, he. <laughs> Well, he and the rest of the Justice Lords get some fly new costumes and make a better, safer world. Um, mm-hmm. And the clash comes when the Justice Lords notice that the Justice League has not um, taken care of Lex Luthor as they wish. So they kidnap the Justice League, swap dimensions, and decide to impose their idea of a better world on everybody. Um I want to note nerdily, this idea is not new. It's come up in the comics before. And um, it was actually even a plot point in um, a spinoff series with Planetary. I don't know how many of you guys who like The Flash are also serious comic nerds, but there's a series called Planetary that we talked about in The Incomparable way, way back in the day um, about a team of, of basically people who are investigating the world and the weird stuff as it is, not as pe- as we see it to be. Because, you know, Warren Ellis and his obsession with, oh, the world is complicated and weird. Anyway, there's a planetary crossover where um, they actually do run into versions of Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman who are who are, who are essentially your, your justice lords. And it's deeply cre- creepy and weird and unsettling, and they have to be dealt with. So um, I, I, I love this premise. I love this premise every time it comes up. And, you know... And the writers go, what happens if the Justice League 
gets absolute power and uses it absolutely. Like, I love that story. And I really like how it was executed here. But enough about me and what I think. Guys, take it away. What did you think? So I am I'm a huge sucker for alternate universe stories. I love them. I, I think, you know, I love they they are that's a well they go to in Star Trek a lot and I love it there. Um I just, you know, I I think it's it's just a really fun way uh to to explore what the world would be like. Uh in some cases it's like from one tiny little event that spirals out that kind of that's your from want for want of a nail style uh story mm-hmm. uh but just like things are different here usually it's darker right like that's usually the, the mm-hmm. thing it's we go to a dystopian alternate reality uh and i thought it would be particularly fun because the premise of this one is basically like uh the world without the flash and how that's different right and how the, mm-hmm. you know without the flash everything is a lot worse uh yeah and i think that's that's kind of cool um i mean i tried to pick episodes for uh the the our, our summer homework that would be flash centric uh this one is in some ways especially the first one not flash centric in that it's like we're really like this episode is defined by the flash's absence um mm-hmm. so and i think it's I, even the way the storytelling of this is fun in that it's kind of we have this the scene of like the justice league basically like fighting their way through the white house and superman confronting lex luther and and uh lobotomizing him which is kind of horrifying and it's only mm-hmm. later that we're revealed that this is not our universe right um so even the storytelling of this i think is pretty clever uh but i'm just i'm a huge that was really incredible yeah actually oh. how they handled that mm-hmm. yeah. i wasn't sure how they were going to do that because i like you know you see the heat vision come out yeah and mm-hmm. you're like whoa, you just did something real dastardly. And they didn't, like, they can't show, I mean, what's about to happen. And the the way in which they did that reveal was very, very well done. Mm -hmm. Or it was just like a dripping computer monitor. Yeah. And And was it Batman asked, do you smell something? Uh Yeah. 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 No, because that's horrifying. Like, when you go back and you watch, he's like, do you smell something? And they're like, oh, no. Oh, no. And then Mm -hmm. you go in and the computer monitor is dripping. And all you see is Batman and Wonder Woman looking at the floor. And they share a look. And Wonder Woman goes over to talk to Superman. She goes, are you all right? And he smiles at her. Which is really unnerving. Yeah, and he's like, like I, I mean, that's like great. something is broken in him. And I, you know, yeah. I, I think I don't know if either of you have read it, but probably I'm not a big Superman fan. But one of my favorite Superman mm-hmm. storylines is the comic uh, Red Sun. Uh, it's a great yes. uh, alternate universe where basically the premise is uh, Superman uh, crash lands instead of in Kansas uh, in Soviet Russia and becomes mm-hmm. uh, basically kind of an agent for uh, the communist government, and yeah. the world gets complicated. <laughs> so it's a okay, and I yeah. Let me go one step further with red sun there is a youtube uh dc video that was made so if you can't get the comic you can actually watch it i'll put it in show notes oh did they do an animation of it yeah i did not know that i'll have to check it out it also features a uh you know well established as my love of batman the batman Mm -hmm. in that alternate continuity though brief is delightful um so because batman is basically a terrorist fighting against the superman oppressor in that uh that world so yeah so i I love red sun it's such a um there's also and i'm not sure i may have dug up the pdf for another one there's a short story that john varley wrote um which which answers the which basically asks the question what would happen if batman landed in the soviet union and had all of his uncompromising moral principles and it takes it to an awful yeah. and hilarious conclusion um truth justice and the shinings and the shining so- soviet socialist path i think it's called um 
So I'll see if I can find a link. We'll put that in show notes as well. But yeah, this is alternate universe, which we all love. And this is also unchecked power for the Justice League, which I personally love as a plot line. <laughs> and um, also, I love their costumes. The Justice Lords look so right. much cooler yeah. than the Justice League. Oh my god, the costumes are great. <laughs> I just, they all look so severe. Even the uh, Wonder yeah. Woman has the different haircut. And they yeah, they all yeah. look pretty intense. Um yeah. And Hawk even girl's head has basically been turned into a bullet. It's yeah. just oh, so good. <laughs> I will say I think probably the weakest part for me is the premise of getting kind of getting people back and forth from one continent from one dimension to the other. I felt like that's probably like kind of mm-hmm. like the softest part of these two episodes uh in which mm-hmm. is that like Batman discovers a way to see another dimension and also invents a portal at the same time. And they trick all the other Justice... The, they trick the Justice League into coming to their dimension to put them in jail. And mm-hmm. then they go over to the Justice League dimension, I guess, to fix it. It's a little unclear. Like, I kind of would have... I, I, I think I would have preferred the storyline where, like, the Justice League accidentally, like, becomes... Stumbles into the Justice Lord dimension and, like, they're criminals mm-hmm. there or something like that. Because that, that part seemed a little hand-wavy in terms of, like, how do you, how do you even rule two dimensions? That seems complicated. Um, mm-hmm. But I guess, you know... May- yeah, you know... You Batman people, you know, I can understand that 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 how he's the world's greatest detective, but also the world's but greatest portal maker. In, you know, yeah, yeah. I, I'll take exception with that. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta throw a flag. Yeah, mm. yeah, that's uh, it's like you know. <laughs> Yeah, I. It's I. What I enjoy about the Batman in this in this one is um, he he is who he is. Like he's not, and, and him being Batman, he's not thrilled. <laughs> and the way the two Batmans conduct psychological warfare warfare on each other, and it's That's like great. this really, it's this really masochistic where they're both like, "Yeah, you got me," and "Ooh, you you know where to hit me," and it's almost like they're really pleased that nothing has changed too much between dimensions. Like, I I, I really like that touch that the fact that Batman is basically it's he's a physical constant in any universe. Batman will be Batman. <laughs> And they just I mean, they just kind of team up because they're like, "Yep, this is you know this what what else would we do at this point? This is what makes sense." Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, you know, it, it's everybody is remarkably, and again, children's cartoons, so everybody's remarkably like, "Yeah, this is all right. I'm meeting my doppelganger." <laughs> but, <laughs> but the Batman's have a lot of fun with it, and I also enjoy that like the secret codes are the same. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, it's so great. Um, you would hope Batman would uh, practice better password uh, security and not just use the same password for everything, but, you know. <laughs> no, he doesn't. It's it's that's the best part, is that Batman's password is the same in every universe, too. <laughs> I just, I love when Barry, or not Barry, it's Wally. I love uh-huh. when the Flash is... Pro tip. Is uh, brute forcing the the the, the key, uh, keypad, uh, but just ty- typing everything as quickly as possible. I want, I want to see uh, Barry Allen on the CW do that at some point. Um, yeah. And then have someone point out, no, you don't have to do it that way. You can just uh, <laughs> you yeah. can do something different. <laughs> but um, what I really enjoy about this is we actually do see Barry um, pushing himself a little. Not Barry. Um, Wally. I keep calling him Barry because that's our uh, default flash. But um, what I like, you know, I know we talked in a previous podcast about how one of the themes with Wally through the Justice League is that he's really kind of a slacker. Um and he's very much the kid of the group and like he's a superhero because he can be but unlike the rest of these other guys he doesn't really spend a whole lot of time thinking about how he can be better and um this episode actually begins with him leaving mid fight to go to the bathroom and and because he's like i got to go 
<laughs> and um, by the end of the episode, though, he's like pushed himself outside his own little comfort zone a bit and figured out, hey, if I speed up my heart consciously, I can consciously speed up my heart so fast that people think I'm dead. And that's something he didn't realize he could do until he had to think of a problem, until he had to think of a way out of a problem nobody else could solve. And I, I liked that little bit of character growth for him, you know? Yeah. I think it's also mm-hmm. like there's some growth for the whole team because they kind of see like, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, the Flash is incredibly powerful, but he's because he's such a slacker, he's not super valued by the Justice League team. And so I think that yeah. that's definitely kind of like the big story point here is like they see that he is important and he like, you know, mm-hmm. he helps keep them level and keep them human and that the world without the Flash mm-hmm. is pretty, pretty grim dark. So, you know. Um, what I, what I love about that is he's like I'm your conscience and and, and John Stromilli goes come on Jiminy yeah. <laughs> like they yeah. don't care they, they they've seen a world where there's no Flash and perhaps it's horrible but they're like well you know look we're still stuck with the Flash here so <laughs> here we go <laughs> yeah we're not going to turn into evil dictators but we don't have to like it um, you know yeah <laughs> so that said I want to talk about the ending of this episode. Um, because to me, it is actually one of the darkest um, on the series. And, and bear in mind, I realize the kids' series. But um, again, the Justice Lords start their, their reign of, 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 of brutal safety, as it were, uh, by, by Superman killing off Lex Luthor and then saying, you know what, now that I've solved that problem, I'm solving a whole bunch of others. I'm lobotomizing everybody with heat vision, and we're instituting um, uh, a broken windows urban policy. and um, there's no elections things. even that's the like the scary no, thing no. In, the, in the opening is like the president crazy the president is like, like he's like, like it's a tradition we think people would like it and he's yeah, like no yeah. and we're... he's like no no and he's got lois lane locked in an apartment with armed guards because like and you can just see he's like well it's just a temporary thing no it's it's now her permanent reality and um but by the end, the the way that our Justice League gets out of it is they actually spring Lex Luthor from jail, promise him amnesty for his crimes, and give him like his superhero killing ray and and set him loose on the the Justice Lords. And um, the reason they do that is because they they realize that compromising with Lex Luthor was the one thing that the other Superman was never willing to do. So they're like, well, we have to do it because it's it's our best way of beating these guys. It happens, and then by the end, Lex is like, I'm going to run for president. And then that brings you right back to the beginning of these two episodes where um, it is Superman confronting Lex Luthor as president. And that's how this whole messy thing gets started. So the viewers left to wonder, have these guys inadvertently sowed seeds for their own destruction? by putting Lex on the path where he'll become president and Superman will eventually snap. Like, I like that they make Superman kind of a wild card in this one, especially when it's like, look, I've often fantasized about doing the stuff that that Superman does. I just never do it. And um, so you have that, which is um, a surprising admission, but a welcome one for that character development. And then I think you've got Lex Luthor who's like, "Eh, I think I might go into politics. And you're like, oh, oh, oh my God. They just laid down the, they just laid down the the foundation for the Justice Lords. So um, it's an unsettling ending when you think about it. Like there's no happy ending to this. And Um, it's, it's so much more sinister than like, you know, him mm -hmm. just like winking at the camera being like, I'm out of jail. It's like, no, I am now more dangerous than ever before. Um, Yes. I've learned nothing about this. Nothing from this. I'm not reformed. I, I'm not a better person. (laughs) 
I really wasn't ready for the whole doomsday uh, plot line to come through. Yes, there wasn't any. There wasn't a lot to kind of precede that, right? It just doomsday happens to be yeah, there. Yeah, because I was like, and I know who that guy is, and I know what's supposed to happen. And I was again, I, I lobotomy again for two episodes. Tony, mm-hmm. this is weird. Mm-hmm. You're picking two two lobotomy uh, ones. We're both the. Uh, dastardlies get lobotomized and some of that may just be like it's cartoons and they like that's a like you know it's the the slightly more humane version of like zapping them or whatever but but it's (laughs) it it feels dark right uh to like rob people of their uh mental free will um microwaving their brain microwaving their whether they are an alien space clone or a you know a gorilla with ambitions bigger than gorilla city can support uh both of them i don't think either of them (laughs) deserves a lobotomy i'm not sure i don't know i won't speak for doomsday so (laughs) (laughs) you know mind control is a reoccurring theme in uh in uh, in the justice league so um it it really is isn't it mm -hmm. um so there's that, and um, there there's all uh, I I just and Lex Luthor, Lex I realize Lex Luthor's their bet is Superman's bet noir, and at the very beginning of the episode, he's like, "You need me to be a hero. That's why you keep me alive. That's why you keep me around." And and um, it's this weird dysfunctional relationship where it it suggests that Lex spends a whole lot more time thinking about Superman than Superman does Lex, and that and that also enrages Lex Luthor. You know, like where he's like, I won't be ignored. But um like just this this Lex Luthor all the way through the Justice, like you're like, oh my god, get some hobbies like other than world domination. Maybe maybe stop thinking about Superman as much as you do. Maybe get to the bottom of your Superman resentment and you will be a happier person. Like figure out why you resent him so much. Well, you know, <laughs> to defend Lex Luthor, something I will only do uh-huh. sparingly. Uh you know, there is the, the the challenge. I think there is in some stories. Uh mm-hmm. Lex Luthor is a super genius and there's mm-hmm. some baggage with that. So for example, you know, yeah. you want to pick up some hobbies and you're a super genius let's say you're like well i'll i'll I'll, t- I'll do chess what is your life like when you can master chess in like a week yeah you know it's like that's it's hard with hobbies when you can become like the best in the world at them in like an afternoon uh it's you got to keep finding hobbies so uh, otherwise superman's your hobby and that's not good <laughs> no no well if you're if you're that much of a genius like master deep space interstellar travel like Maybe the problem is is that Lex Luthor has a great brain and he lacks imagination and ambition. Well, he might be uh, the next president, so uh, that's pretty ambitious. Yeah, so. you know, it's it's still Earth ambitious. I think he needs to think bigger. Well, maybe but, he's uh, maybe president mm-hmm. of America is just the first step to becoming president of Earth. Um, maybe, so. yeah. You know, I. I I would like to believe that in another dimension, Lex Luthor is a Star Wars and a Star Trek nerd, and he's like, I'm a super genius. I'm going to invent the Federation. And, like, just brings it into being. <laughs> like, he's this total Captain Picard stan, and is like, I really want to be Captain Picard, so I'm going to have to invent the Federation, and then I'm going to have to invent the Enterprise, and then I'm going to have to invent a reason for people to wear velour jumpsuits. Oh, my God. My life's work is unfolding before me. <laughs> some more construct well he was all right yeah but in flashpoint he actually was pretty sweet although he didn't mm-hmm. last very long oh Lex I, Luthor? yeah 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 mm-hmm. he has his, his he has his moments so um he, he just sees the right motivation yeah he he definitely is usually not pointed in the right direction is his problem yeah. putting a lot of energy into uh 
not good hobbies. So, mm-hmm. um, we did also in this episode, which I enjoyed. Uh, I know it's not a, a super exciting for for Flash, but uh, mm-hmm. Hot Girl is at Arkham, so we get lots of cameos from several different uh, Batman villains who are all yeah. in their lobotomized state. Yeah, they're all just mm-hmm. wandering around. Arkham Asylum is a lot cheerier a place. Um, in, in in the uh the justice lords world um it's mm-hmm. you know there's flowers and it looks like it's been painted more freshly than it, and it ever has in in our continuity yeah so yeah i guess that's nice i, I kind of like that arkham to be honest with you and um while i realize that involuntary <laughs> lobotomization is almost never the right move um you know you have to admit they seem very happy I don't. I think I would not put a lobotomized Joker in like r- running the front desk. I was unclear yeah. to what extent his powers were, uh, or not powers, uh, authority. But he seemed to be. I, I still felt like he was trusted a little too much, and that sends a bad message mm-hmm. to the to the rest of the yeah. crowd. Um, yeah. Also, they seem to keep <laughs> a lot of Superman robots on hand, um, but maybe that's just that's just how life is there. Every, yeah. Every municipal building's got a couple. <laughs> Well, it's like I guess maybe they take the LexCorp assets and turn those all into Superman robots, you know, because once you've assassinated the president and mm-hmm. declared, um, in a way, um, and I would love to talk to the people who wrote this episode because um, again, I realized the Justice Lords are a thing. This also came out right around the time that the Authority was really gaining traction, and basically the whole premise of the Authority comic book is is the Justice Lords, where they're like, we are superheroes. We don't like the world the way it is. We're not fighting for a status quo. We're going to change things up on you, mofos. Um, <laughs> and they do. And that's the whole point of the authority is they like go after dictators who offend them and they do all sorts of environmental remediation. And at one point their ship doubles as a refugee camp for displaced people. And they really anger, they, they anger a lot of people and their whole attitude is, well, you're not fixing your problems, so we're going to fix them because we're superpowered and nobody can stop us. And um, that take on the whole, you know, superpowers and no limits thing, like, that really took off. And I know that it rubbed a lot of old school comics people the wrong way, um, especially when um, DC and Marvel began trying to produce books that would um, capture the same audience. Like, they had Justice League Dark for a while, mm-hmm. if you can... Do you remember that, or or do you, did you know about that? I thought that was more recent, but I or maybe that got relaunched recently. Uh, it may have got yeah, it, it may have gotten real, or, or I could be, it's um, but uh, the lead was a woman named Vera Black who had like a jacked up brother, and the Dark Flash was in it. Was it was basically Barry Allen, but in a black suit, and mm-hmm. he did terrible things in the black suit, and um, you know, and to to fight back in the main superhero in in action comics which is the the flagship flagship superhero one they wrote an issue called what's so great about um peace love and understanding and it's basically superman arguing against this type of we have the power so we can change things with saying no because we have the power we have to you you know we have to make it the servant of of a just and civil society we can't create the just and civil society with it Mm -hmm. and so so this was like a a big conversation that was happening in, in the comic sphere at the time 
I'm going to have to like look up that thing on Wikipedia now it, because I really it does am. seem to be a, a a pretty common theme with especially with I think with mm-hmm. Superman because his mm-hmm. he's so powerful. Uh, I, mm-hmm. I I've been working my way through the Superman animated series, and there was recently an mm-hmm. episode where like Lois Lane stumbles into an alternate universe, and the premise yeah. of the dystopian alternate universe is Lois Lane died, and yeah. uh, Superman teamed up with Lex Luthor and are basically like the ultimate protectors of the city, mm-hmm. and Superman is still Superman. And, and but he's a little bit basically oblivious to the fact that like gradually the world has become like controlled by Lex mm-hmm. Luthor and is is ruled with an iron fist. That one's a little weird because like here instead of you know evil Superman killing Lex Luthor, like they're a mm-hmm. team up and he's oblivious to like the fact that the world has become rough for the civilians. Whereas in this one he is the he is the agent that makes the world rough for the for the civilians and it's the the president is pleading with him to let there be elections. Yeah. But that does seem to be a, a common theme is like you know he is just so insanely powerful that we that mm-hmm. you know everyday life is basically uh, only convenienced by him feeling yeah. like yeah it's okay the status quo is okay um and uh, i'm you know i'm going to i'm going to hold down a day job instead of uh being more involved in, in you know how the yeah. world is run uh-huh. mhm yeah okay so a little bit of nerd clarification <laughs> um, nerd clarification Always a good thing. Yeah, you're right. Justice League Black is a post-New 52 title, which means it's really recent. Um, the reason I got confused is because Justice League Elite was the Black Arms, Black Ops arm of the Justice League back in the back at the turn of the century. Um, so basically what happened is, and, and hilariously enough, the Justice League Elite was kind of the brainchild of Barry Allen. And he was on both the elite team and the regular team. So he would do black ops in a black suit and then change into the red suit for like above the board stuff. So yeah, this is back when even DC and Marvel were experimenting with black ops teams that were secret and could plausible deniability. And then Superman writers got fed up with it. We're like, no, no, no. The whole point to these guys is not that they, um, is not that these unelected, unelectable superheroes go and change things when they feel like it. The point is that they're really just superpowered civil servants. So anyway, Justice League Elite, um, look up some of the earlier ones. It is a fat, crap, bonkers book. Like, I, I remember reading this, and um, there's all sorts of crazy things in there, like um, somebody who has, who has like, a, a host of alien bugs at her command and is kind of a jerk, and um, this dude named Manitou Raven, who's got a girlfriend who's mostly useless and known, and, and known for sidetracking Green Arrow at inconvenient moments, and Vera, who has cybernetic arms, and then the Flash has an identity crisis. And, again, it's, like, classic pre-identity crisis identity crisis really um crazy so look it up find it on ebay or see if there's any old trades left kicking around amazon but um you know it it ties into this if if you decide that you want to do a deep dive into alternate dc alternate dc universes or universes where the superheroes are like no one can stop me i have powers (laughs) and on they go from there so i gotta say i liked these much better than our last assigned um watching because while while I do love me some uh, Gorilla Grodd, and um, I'm here for all of the buddy comedy stuff, um, I, I I thought this is a little bit meatier as a story. I think there was more substance to these. Uh, I think yeah. the, the previous two we watched relied a lot more on kind of like extended action sequences. Uh, and there was yeah. some in here. I mean, there was the big drag out fight with Doomsday and then the big drag out fight with mm-hmm. Justice Lord versus Justice League at the end of this. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think that the premise had a lot more meat on it. And it... And, 
it this had a lot more characters interacting and in that we see like the the different parts of the teams interacting with each other and the, the uh, alternate universe versions of the teams and we didn't get a ton of cross dimension except with Batman and Batman uh but that was you know hey two batmans on the screen sign me up for that right that's that's what Tony wants oh boy yeah. i knew that was coming yeah <laughs> Um, yes. How how do you feel about two Batmans on the screen? Please tell us. Tell that us is everything. the right number of Batmans. So uh, <laughs> more than that seems dodgy. Um, but <laughs> two two is good. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mo's other things that you had thoughts about it. Did we did we cover the the things that jumped out to you in this one? Did you feel any better about this well, one compared you know, to the other two that we assigned to oh, you? Oh, I do. I do. This, this this. I mean, this was a lot different. And obviously, you're bringing. I hate to say it, but like the A team level mm-hmm. characters involved. However, um, you know, always with superheroes, I get very enamored with costumes. So, I mean, if you've got a cool looking costume, chances are I'm probably going to read that comic. I mean, it's just mm-hmm. the way it is. Mm-hmm. Um, did Superman, did he, I mean, I remember there was the whole machinations of his costume changes. And it seems like his Justice Lord costume was one that was actually used, if if I'm not mistaken, or very similar. I'm sure to, it's a throw, like a, a. I'm sure it's lifted from something, uh, or at least inspired by, right? If not taken directly, but I don't know enough about Superman to point out which one it is. Yeah, it was just, it was one of those things. Where, like even seeing everybody's mm-hmm. new set of threads was pretty slick. I like, and I, and I just like seeing like. Even though everybody gets real, real bound up by, you know, like Superman's look. I mean, it's kind of iconic. Well, it is iconic. I shouldn't even say kind of. And so there's always that resistance. But it's funny to put that uh, a new costume on the bad version of Superman. I think that is a costume from like the early 90s or something like when they. See, didn't he? They rebooted him in some way. It was after Doomsday. Yeah. Yeah, it must it was have like been after that, then. and he came back in. Yeah, because I think it was. Like I, think black. It, I think it was after. I think it was when he rose from the dead. Because remember, they killed him off in the '90s after his long hair ponytail phase. Because yeah. remember that. We all have our like, long hair oh, ponytail phase. Yeah, 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 it was yeah, like yeah, during yeah, okay. the '90s. It was yeah. the Hayfield of the Rob Liefeld aesthetic, where everybody had like, yeah, oh, oh, oh Pou- pouches, sorry. pouches, pouches, and ponytails everywhere. So pouches and pony, <laughs> uh, pouches and ponytails and big bangs and and even bigger quadriceps. And um, then I'm pretty sure when Superman came back, he wasn't in the iconic um, costume. I think they wanted to modernize the costume a bit, but we'd have to. I remember s- it being black. Yeah, I think. Yeah, and. Uh, it, I think there was like no capes, <laughs> so. Uh, but it, it was updated for a while. Uh, I got to be honest; I liked the Wonder Woman's costume better in the Justice Lords than I do. And I, I don't it, like the it, the bathing suit boots combination. I feel like an actual. Right. I feel like an actual warrior would wear something closer to what the the Justice Lord, Justice Lord Batman was doing. So cannot agree more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I hate to be so superficial, no, but eventually, I think that's a key sometimes part of it. that it's just what hits me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, they clearly put a lot of. I mean, you know, they had to design alternate versions of all the heroes, and they clearly put time into that, right? Like they didn't. Mm-hmm. I mean, because they could have just like made them like darker colored or something like that, but they're like, no, this is this is an opportunity. We are going to tell mm-hmm. you a lot about the world with the design of these characters. The Martian Manhunter one was probably the most kind of phoned in, uh, but, but the other ones were all, I thought really striking and and, and dramatic. Um, What I did. I also liked Mm -hmm. Superman or 
when Superman and uh, Lois Lane are sitting at the dinner table yeah. in the alternate space. I thought that was a great spin on their relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's like cold, and she's like, it's gazpacho. And he's like, that's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, I, that, I, that was um, another one of I those great really moments. Some the, sometimes the, the Martian Manhunter. Yeah, I, I liked the Martian Manhunter where he's like, can you read his mind? He's like, I, he's like, we don't do that. And Batman's like, can't or won't. And he's like, both. <laughs> and um, I thought it was interesting that his adherence to that one of the, the, the Martian, the, 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 the alternate dimension Martian Manhunter was clearly counting on, on his doppelganger being the type of dude who would not violate cultural protocol and read a mind at all. You know? Yep. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I think these were solid. Uh, I am yeah. looking forward to. Uh, we got one more big chunk of summer mm-hmm. homework coming up, right? Uh, right. So, listeners, um, the episodes for that it's not a two parter. I know, shocking. Uh, so for that, mm-hmm. we got two different episodes. They are not even back to back in the order, but they're in proximity to each other. If you're looking on your Netflix or your iTunes or your Amazon, so um, the numbering can be different in different places. So look for them by title. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first one is Flash and Substance. So you know it's got it's got flash in the name, right? And mm-hmm. then the the the, uh, the next one, uh, maybe my one of my favorite Justice League episodes, the Great Brain Robbery. Oh, yeah. I love that one! Yes, so, yay! Oh, so that's really uh, great. that's your last unit of summer homework, listeners. We'll probably uh, record that and release that uh, probably in mm-hmm. September, just or at least uh, maybe early October before the Flash comes back uh, mm-hmm. for real. Um, but I think that's our plan, right? Right. And thank you, all of you guys who have been hanging out with us this summer and tuning in. Please keep on doing so. We love it. Yeah. Okay. Goodbye, nerds. Bye.